Hi, welcome to the Dialogue Box. I'm Chris Slight, and with me as ever here on episode 100 is Gwen Frey. Oh shit, it's 100. Yeah. Oh, we did we it. We made it. Triple figures. Right. How you doing, Gwen? I'm good. I'm good. Life is good. The big thing for me is I'm getting ready for PAX, right? Which yeah. we have to talk about later because we have to come up with a plan for that. Uh, oh, I've been thinking on it. Don't you worry. I'm excited uh, to talk about it. Good, yeah. Uh, so we, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, the... The big thing lately is the coronavirus. It's added a giant um, question mark to a lot of things this year. It's really shaken up the air. Yeah. So, I mean, the big news games industry wise and speaking of PAX, Sony have pulled out of PAX East due to coronavirus concerns. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen specifically, not the Square Enix booth in total, but the Final Fantasy fourteen team have left. And I've seen a lot of people talking online where they're like, oh, what? Are they worried about getting it in Boston? It's like, no. If you actually read what both of these companies have said, it's like they don't want to send their uh, people from Asia to another country where mm. they might, it's tiny chance they might spread something. It's also so, just they have to they have to go to airports, right? Like they have to connect through yeah. Hong Kong or something. Uh, they have to connect through some major airport uh, and in general, these companies, you have to understand there's a liability issue, right? Like if you send your employees to a show as part of, um, you know, like you're paying as part of the company and then your employee gets sick, now you're on the hook for paying any medical costs and things like that. That's as true. As well as you're on top of just the moral responsibility of making sure that you're not putting your employees in danger. Uh, so it makes sense that a lot of these people are pulling out. It makes sense, especially like it, this is... For me, the scary thing is how much this impacts GDC, um, just as much as PAX. Yeah, because PlayStation have pulled out of GDC as well, right? They've pulled out of both, and um, a couple of other major conferences have been cancelled. One major one, the biggest, um, what is it, the biggest mobile conference in the world yeah, was cancelled. Yeah, mobile, mobile World Conference. That was completely cancelled after big mm. companies all pulled out. Well, yeah, because, I mean, their big thing is those conferences are meant to, they're B2B. They're meant for, like, manufacturers to meet different uh, supply chain people. And if you think about it, so much of our supply chain for phones goes through China. So much of our supply chains for everything goes through China. Uh, this is massive what's happening right now. It's to the degree of I'm still waiting to hear how this is going to impact console sales later this year. I've been wondering about this for a while. I'm glad like gamesindustry.biz just started covering it. It's if everybody, if this blows over, which it most likely will, the flu season tends to end around, you know, the springtime. Most likely this will, uh, most likely this will subside and the next console generation will launch as expected. But there's a chance if, if these factories stay shut down that, there will be limited releases for a lot of these consoles. There's a chance that we, um, that this just creates a blip in manufacturing, right? Like we're already seeing um, the index is, uh, Valve is not going to be able to sell as many indexes as they had planned just because so many factories are shut down. Um, and we're already, Nintendo is have, is struggling to keep up with the demand for the Switch. They've, uh, they had to slow down their manufacturing capacity. They shifted a lot of their manufacturing to, um, I believe it was Vietnam, basically out of China. Uh, and even there, we're, we're starting to see the coronavirus is breaking out in different other Asian countries as well. We're, I mean, there's just a reality here. A large amount of our manufacturing happens out there on that side of the world. Um, 
And so this does, it, it does have the potential to actually kind of shake up the year a bit. It has the potential to make the console launches a little weaker. It's drastically changing um, the gaming landscape in China because loads of people are stuck inside and they have nowhere, they have nothing to do but play video games. I've heard the, um, what is it? That Switch game, the the Fit, the, um, the one where you oh, work uh, on. Oh, Ring Fit. Ring Fit Adventure is mm. just selling like crazy in China right now because everyone's cooped up inside and it's this kind of cool game they can play that, that gets them moving. I oh. saw someone on our Discord, actually, which you can join, by the way, the Chump Squad Discord. The link will be somewhere. But uh, I saw someone talking about this, how it will be interesting to do studies on this as it goes forward with the amount of people that are indoors playing games. I would love to see some... I, I would love to work at Valve right now and just look through the stats. Just see what's going on. Because there's so many more people at home. Um, and I'm, I am wondering how this is impacting online storefronts and different things. It is interesting. It's interesting to see where this goes in the future. It's just, I mean, it's horrible. It's a horrible event that's going on in the world, obviously, right? Mm. But um, yeah, the the knock-on effects for manufacturing for the next console generation, for the conferences that are coming up, because, I mean, in my world, there's some major publishers, Tencent or Kowloon. Kowloon's actually a pretty cool fund. Uh, They can't go to GDC anymore. Um, uh, Sony, obviously, yeah, Sony can't go to GDC to, um, to, you know, start signing deals with, um, there's still last minute deals to be done to bring content to these new platforms and that, that can't happen right now. And that's okay. A lot of this stuff, a lot of these kinds of things can happen online. It's just you need an intro for things to happen online. There's a sort of yeah. organic nature that can't, there's a sort of bumping into people thing that can happen to G- at GDC. It's just different. It's just, if GDC is going to be a little bit different this year, there's going to be ha- a large chunk of our industry will be missing. Do you understand? Yeah, completely. Like that's a hundred percent true. I mean, it's, it, it's like, how do you just rock up to someone on the internet, particularly like a large publisher, and be like, yo, check my game. But if you happen to have it on a stand and part of biz dev people's day is I'm going to go around and look at all the games and see what we should sign. That's mm-hmm. a big thing to miss out on, particularly at such a huge event like GDC. Yeah. Or even, um, I mean, you get some amount of that at PAX. There's a, yeah. not not everywhere, but like the... Definitely, if you're in the Indie Mega Booth, for example, there's uh, the various sponsors will walk around the Indie Mega Booth. The other thing to keep in mind is that um, this is that I don't know how if they're getting refunded their sponsorships or not, but that could really hamstring a lot of these conferences. Like mm-hmm. Sony is a major sponsor for GDC, and I believe they're a major sponsor for PAX. And I'm curious how much did they lose all that money they invested to have all those booths and PAX? They were about a I want to say about a tenth of the floor space for PAX East was supposed to go to to uh, Sony. Yeah, they have three very large booths, which were the first thing you would have seen coming down the elevators. For those that have been to PAX East, the sort of one main entrance that all the attendees will go through at the beginning, and Sony was going to be the thing that you saw, and it hasn't really been replaced by anything, obviously, because it's such short notice. So mm. I would imagine as well, they probably did have to write that off as a loss, because... Europe, they were like, I mean, we're sitting here and it's like at time of recording, we're like four days out, four or five days out. Yeah. And 
they announced this like a few days ago. So I have got to imagine they just had to take the loss. Yeah, I mean, I I think so. I don't I don't know how these things work. I don't know how you can back out of. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I've been a part of organizing different conferences, but I've I would have to go through our legal documents and see. A, a lot of times, some people don't pay until like three or f- three weeks before the conference. But by now, for PAX, they must have paid, and there's no way PAX is paying them back. Oh yeah, um, and I mean, if you think of. Like, because when this came out, I was thinking, oh, are they going to, because I already knew about MWC and was like, oh, that whole thing got closed down as more and more people started pulling out. I was like, is PAX going to get cancelled? And it was a case of, all right, well, we've already spent, like, money to get me to a place. Like, that, and everyone that Sony was going to send out, there's all those flights, there's all those hotels. Those are just going to have to be a loss. Yeah, a lot of that will be a loss um, <clears throat> for Sony specifically. And the other thing is, it, it at GDC, I'm on two panels where some speakers had to, a speaker dropped from two different panels. There's, uh, yeah, like there's, uh, I'm trying to think of all the games Sony has launched recently, but they were going to have quite a number of talks at GDC and all those talks had to be canceled and that sucks. Um, I know The Last of Us 2 was going to have its first public showing at PAX and that's not happening anymore Mm -hmm. so i think the next opportunity people will have is when it comes out i I think i read online yeah that seems right so yeah there's um it's interesting it's i'm not sure what's gonna happen next like it's we still don't know exactly how much the coronavirus is gonna spread we still don't have a very firm grasp on if this is an epidemic or not i mean i i don't think the, the most likely scenario it looks like now, because I've been researching it, it looks like the most likely scenario is this just becomes, if it breaks out, this will just become another version of the flu. Um, and we'll just, part of the flu season, we'll be dealing with this other strain of flu and because it, it's just so contagious. Mm. That seems to be the, the general consensus. But for this year, what does it mean? Um, as they, as China tries to lock down and contain it and as all these, um, all these companies... As all these companies try do what they can to try to contain this, to stop this from becoming a, a global thing that we have to deal with each year, which I think is worthwhile. If you look into it, the flu takes a lot of lives every year. Yeah. It would be nice if we could kill the coronavirus so this doesn't become a, a yearly thing we deal with. It would be good. Yeah, um, and as I understand it with this coronavirus, and again, we're not doctors, just so in case you didn't already know that 100 episodes in, it was uh, it's the fact that there's no inoculation to this coronavirus that makes it kind of a huge deal like not necessarily the severity of the virus but more so that there is nothing to give anyone at the moment to uh try and combat it yeah it'll just be like you know how we get a flu shot every year you're supposed to get a flu shot every year and it's supposed to combat whatever the most common strains are that year yeah coronavirus could just be another one of those so will it would be nice to kill it i don't know i'm like I'm, hmm, how do I put this? This is a horrible tragedy. It's a horrible thing that's impacting the world. And it's also, but but I'm a game developer. So I, I spent a lot of my time like, what the fuck is this going to do to the industry this year? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, to me, it's morbidly fascinating in that way uh, to try to, to try to figure it out. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and it's definitely impacting, uh, packs i mean like i said my my initial thoughts and um, we'll get into talking about like what we're doing at packs 
uh, like my initial thoughts was like, should I be going to this? That was not the comment I saw most people having online. I felt like maybe I freaked out about it more, but I was immediately like, wait, wait, am I, should I, should I not be going to, is, am I being stupid by being blase about this and being like, yeah, it'll be fine. How did you feel yeah. about that? Well, I mean, I mean, you're I'm in not, Boston already, I guess. So yeah, I'm in Boston already. But I mean, there is something about going to a show where there's a lot of people, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I. I'm not. Most of PAX East, the draw. The most of the people that are coming here are coming from um, America. There is not a corona coronavirus outbreak in America. Most of the people coming from overseas. There were a lot of people that would come from overseas, um, but we've got a pretty strict travel ban right now. <laughs> Uh, mm. and a lot of the, to be fair, in a way, Sony, uh, the com or the countries that do have coronavirus are self-selecting and deciding not to come to PAX. So I think PAX will be okay. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm just not worried about it, but again, I live here. So yeah, you, you, you can, you know, it's, it's a bit more, it's a bit less airporty for you. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> a bit is. less traveling. <laughs> but yeah. So speaking of PAX, uh, we are both going to be at PAX East. Uh, it's all been announced. Uh, Kine is being exhibited in the Indie Mega Booth, and I am going to be helping you on the booth. Yeah, so let's start planning this because we've got yeah. the total cost of showing at uh, PAX East right now is about $4,500. Mm -hmm. um, what we have is I, I would like to recoup some of that cost. I would like to break even. We won't, but it would be nice. And I would it's the dream. mostly, yeah, mostly this is a, and this is going to be the last time we show just because it just is. There's no reason to keep throwing money at marketing here. Um, so we need, it would be nice to recoup. It would also be nice to get the word out. Here's what we have. We have, I have copies of the game we can sell. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've got them on like nice little scratch cards and we've got a shit ton of t-shirts from last year. Yeah, the, the all say PAX West. <laughs> uh, no, they all say PAX 2019. Oh, PAX 2019. They, they've uh, they've fallen into my uh, bedtime. I still got two of them. They've fallen into my bedtime sleepy shirts regime. Oh, God. So what do we do? Should we sell these shirts? Should we try to... Can we sell um, shirts that say 2019? I mean... Okay, so here's things... Because I wanted to discuss like what we were going to do. Number one, do you, are you going to have business cards that just say "Kind is a game" and you can get it here? Yeah, that was gonna... that was the thing people wanted. We found yeah, no, out. I'm, I'm printing that. I'm printing Sweet. that this year. Uh, I haven't done it yet. I'll I'll get on that tomorrow. Yeah, we should definitely have those. But um, shirts that say "Pax 2019." I don't know. So when it was "Pax 2019," people didn't seem to super want the shirts. So I don't know if people will super want the shirts when it says the wrong year. I'm we not did sure. To be fair, people did want the shirts. It's just I ordered significantly more than I should have. <laughs> I mean, that is true. This is it. Yeah, we did sell some. We didn't we didn't sell no shirts. Like it wasn't a zero yeah. percent, but it was definitely it felt like that, I guess, when you were sitting there because you were just looking at the bag and be like, man, there's still <laughs> Still a couple hundred shirts. So here. many the shirts here. Does nobody want these? And it felt like to the amount I had that I should have been like, here's a shirt. Here's a shirt. A shirt for you? Well, a shirt for you. Like that we kind could, of thing. Whereas it was like every we hour. Could we could just clothe packs. We could throw in a free shirt for everybody that buys the game. That's not a bad idea. 
That's a very good idea. I mean, if you are fine to take the loss on the shirts, then I mean, what the hell am I, I going to do? I guess you would with anyway. Yeah, like a couple hundred <laughs> shirts of varying sizes that say PAX 2019. <laughs> like, there's only there's only so much going on here. This is our last yeah. time showing this game. Yeah, we might as well. I think yeah, people that I would say have special conditions of like, if you super play the game real well, here have a shirt on the sneak. We, but also, if also... you buy the game, you get a shirt. Okay, that works. We also have like 10 of those um, piano skirts. Oh, we still got the skirts. Okay, so those I'm are the special prizes? I'm going to give those away prizes? to like kids. Yeah. Well, they're, they're supposed to be kid sizes. Um, oh, really? They're pretty little. Um, they're, they run pretty small. Oh, I can wear one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know they as don't I run, could. They don't run large. No. I guess that's the right way to put yeah, it. Yeah, I bet say, because I looked because it was like, oh, maybe I could wear one. And it was like, nah. <laughs> like this is this will be a sad trip to the bathroom like trying to get this on <laughs> so yeah. i didn't but yeah i agree i think uh and that's really the only thing that held you back deep down oh really yeah that that yeah. that you know it's uh <laughs> that's always been holding me back but with packs yeah i think giving them away is a good idea because i don't know because we have a Zerpo Pax 2019. I'm like, yeah, that's funny, isn't it? It's the only way I could sell it and be like, so we, so here's this story as to why it says that every time I try to give them to people. <laughs> so I think if I'm giving them away, then the story does become this funny. Is, the story <laughs> was we bought these last year. The end. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't, we are not buying more. Let me put it that way. <laughs> We've made that mistake once. Gwen yeah. is out of money. There's no more money in yeah, the budget. we're not doing this. This, that would be yeah. a bad idea. However, do the you only reason the I'm, honestly I misjudged how much packs would cost. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, that can happen. I mean, it's good lessons learned. If you're ever exhibiting another game again, but like, and it's just us, no, we I mean, are I, ready. I, I had the right. Let me rephrase that. I had the right cost down. I thought um, usually there's an Unreal. Uh, what do you call it? If you have an Unreal Engine game, you get a certain amount of money to cover yes. your booth. And that is less for PAX East than it was for PAX West. And I did not know ah, that. I see. Okay. So that's why I'm like, oh, shit. So we're pretty over budget here. But. Uh, oh, okay. Um, well, in terms of making money, I just selling the game, I guess. Yeah, that's basically what I got. Chris, I am so chill on this one. I have done nothing yet. <laughs> I have literally done nothing. I have a box. Like, I got back from nice. PAX uh, West. I put all my shit in a box. That box is in. I know where that box is. I have not opened that box. Uh, Makes sense. I will open that box tomorrow and make sure everything works again. I, I like our setup, actually. I liked uh, demoing on the Xbox dev kit was useful. It was. It's a really good way to travel. Yeah, like every just other having time that I've, one thing. Yeah, every other time I've tried to show it on a PC. Uh, and then you got to... Th there's just... There's such an elegant simplicity to carrying an Xbox onto a plane. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, 100%. And, and also, just from a setup and like a ability to have something not break standpoint, this is why when we've done streaming stages, we rarely like to have a game running on a PC because there's so many variables for someone's demo running on a PC. Whereas I know if they're coming on a console, probably just gonna work yeah <laughs> so it's like there's not and like skype isn't gonna break your demo like it's you know <laughs> yeah totally but yeah that that will be super useful also something so i uh 
worked on the Finji booth at Summer Pack South, which was really great. They are great people. But one thing uh, Becca Saltzman did uh, that she said, she was like, I don't know why I've never done this before because this is a really good idea. And I was like, this is a good idea was have like a little safety briefing at the beginning. She found out where the nearest fire exit was and arranged like, okay, if there's a fire, you go there. If we, if there is a fire, make sure you know where the person that you're buddied up with is. We will all meet at this one specific place. We are going to have a group message. If you get an Uber somewhere, tell your buddy where you're going so we all know where everyone is. Again, you're going to be super chill because you just live in Boston. But like, these are all, I'd never thought that after working so many booths, I've never thought to myself, I should know where the fire exit is because I'm here all day. Like, <laughs> that would be a good idea. And I should also be able to know where all my like coworkers are if that happens. Yeah, I think there's problems that occur once you've scaled to the, her booth is a production. She's got like people. It is. There was this like is... seven of us. So it was like, you know, this is just going to be me and you and like Mitchell sometimes. So it's like... Yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to say, most of the time you're alone at the booth. If there's a fire, get out of the building. (laughs) The end. Like, there's just not, not like, a lot going on here. It's little things like that that it's good to know. And, you know, knowing where the other person will be if shit goes down is is useful as opposed to being like, wait, where are they? (laughs) They could be anywhere. (laughs) So, you know, little things like that I think would be good. Uh... But yeah, the cards. Get the cut. That was like I had the one no thing idea how much people wanted cards oh, until I knew we that. did that. I just I knew that. I just wasn't thinking. Yeah, I messed that happen. up. Yeah, people then, just want a thing that they can take. They don't actually. They're going to throw it out. They just want to collect stuff. Yeah, yeah. But people really wanted them. But, but these are things that like like Beck at Finji, Kate Ludlow at Devolver, the people that like make the booths. These are all the things that they think about and more. Like, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, if we were doing this right, there would be pins. Yeah. Like at a minimum. Right. Like, oh, completely. yeah, there's there's the things you do. There's certain I, I there's like a scale here where it's I'm a solo dev. I can't spend the amount of money that they w- will spend yeah. on all the, the crap that you give away and all of the, you know, all the nice things, having a big booth with a lot of people. And in all seriousness, I'm not even sure. Like there's a scale where it makes sense. Especially if you're Finji. If you're Finji, you want to get out your brand out there. You have multiple games going on at any given time. Mm-hmm. You you need to... PAX is a way for you to establish yourself as a studio and as a brand, as a company that, that makes a lot of games and stuff. But I think some of my favorite booths, the kind of people I want to emulate is like... Um, if you look at Zachtronics, they were my favorite yes. booth last year at PAX. And what that was was they had no staff. They had four seats. They're like, their game is about automating systems. They're like, this is an automatically run booth. Sit down, play if you want, leave when you want. We don't give a fuck. The end. No shit to take. Just this is, we made a game. Here is your game. And that costs way less money. And it's it really does. efficient. And it it works for what their game is. And I just thought it was brilliantly done. It was just I agree on that good. sense. I, I do always, I personally think there should always be someone to talk to. I think that's important. Like it, it might work for that game. And I don't disagree with that. But I do think if you've got a booth that having someone who is affable and willing to be there all day and be happy mm-hmm. is it is an important thing to me. Oh, it's it's important. Um, yes, it's important for a lot of reasons. There's a, a million yeah. reasons to go to a co- to a show like this. Um, it's important as a developer to see people playing your game. 
it, it, like there, there's a million good reasons, but I wouldn't argue that it necessarily results in sales. No, um, I agree. I mean, you'll the number of sales you'll get at a show, if you're lucky, will break even, right? Mm. If you're lucky. Uh, versus just if you put a fraction of that money, like I'm spending $5,000 on uh, this booth. If I spent $5,000, I could make two more trailers. Um, yeah. And that would put those online and that would get way more eyeballs, right? So. Oh, potentially. Yeah. I mean, just the number of people you can reach online is just way higher. Oh, well, yeah, there's, but that, that way, much is true. The, there's just a reality of um, it's fun to build hype and to, to be here for your super fans. It's fun. Shows are really fun. It's fun to meet other game developers. It's um, fun to... Uh, it, it's good and important to see people playing your game and to, to kind of get that real-time feedback. There's a lot of really good reasons to go to shows, but this... Uh, the when you sit back at a high level view and you're like, what is the benefit of having pins and all of this stuff? That's important. If you want people to remember your brand later, mm. uh, it's not important to sell a game necessarily. Yeah. And I mean, it, I mean, when you have the Gwen Frey brand, I imagine you just don't want people to remember that. Jeez. God. I don't know what the, <laughs> no, I don't know what the Gwen Frey brand is though. I, I'm not like, yeah. Like, do you not, do you actually not, feel you have a sense of what your brand is because i feel i would have an idea of what your brand is i have a brand i mean I i'm think not so. i'm not famous dude i've got like what a couple thousand twitter followers and i have a podcast that's listened to by game developers but that doesn't famous actually doesn't mean you don't have a brand I, i'm a person <laughs> well oh, yeah like it's a, a similar okay. thing right like I don't know. I feel you definitely have, I mean, I feel you have a strong established just from doing this for the last like three years, however long we've been doing it and the path that you've taken with your game. I think you have established a brand. Hmm. Let me, let me rephrase that. I have a certain amount. I, I believe that I have a certain amount of, um, oh God, industry cachet. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want. At the end of the day, I, I just, if I could have something, I wouldn't want to be famous, but I do want the respect of my peers and I like that, you know? And mm-hmm. I enjoy, I just deeply enjoy talking about the industry and where it's going and things like that. And I, I enjoy the metagame that is the business of making games. I also enjoy making games. I enjoy talking about the experience. I love a lot of this stuff, but I, the, the audience I reach is not gamers, right? I don't have a brand with among gamers. Gamers have no idea who I am. Uh, gamers mostly no. know kind because it's that game that's on Stadia that only had 22 titles. Um, that's like the, it's not a, a brand is something, a, a brand that gamers know, the kind of people who go to PAX that at, at GDC, I'll meet more people who know who I am than at PAX by far. Well, yeah. Uh, I, and, uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I mean, I guess it's important to remember there's a difference between being known among the industry and being known among gamers does that make sense no i completely understand i i, I mean i'd say you are when you say gamers it's it's kind of lo- there's a definite subset of people that i used to be that i have friends who became members of the press and stuff there's a big subset of people that are interested in the industry and all the same stuff that you're talking about and that kind of thing. Like the same people that are super into what Rami is doing 
mm-hmm. are going to be interested in what you're talking about. It, it The same people that are like, find all the shit Fork Parker talks about on Twitter funny, are the same mm-hmm. people that are going to be interested in what you're like talking about, I think. True. I, I don't know. I, I don't... I don't know what the point is I'm trying to make here. I just think like um, there's, a, I guess, it, I'm not down on myself or anything or anything. Like no, that. no, no. I didn't think you were. Uh, I think we're also I, I just, slightly talking about different things. Possibly. Uh, when yeah. we're talking about packs and we're talking about investing in packs to, to get your brand out there, it's mostly about here in my mind, it's here's a collection of games that belong together. Yes. Annapurna. This is a collection of very artistic, beautiful games. Devolver, here's a collection of games. Um, sometimes uh, studios where they self-publish. Usually you have to have a number of games to get to that point where it really makes sense to be a PAX because you're you're letting people know, hey, I'm we are a studio. We've made these other games you've already heard of that are really good. We have more games in development. There's going to be more games in the future. Follow us. You know, yeah. this is what we make. Um, <clears throat> and that's a brand you pitch to to gamers, the kind of people who walk around the, the show floor at PAX. Um, whereas the the people you're describing, the people who are really interested in the business side of the industry, sure, there's a couple of them at PAX because a lot of them are working in the press and stuff. You're absolutely right. There's people in the press that love thinking about the industry and knowing about it and stuff. Uh, that's totally true. And they they do sometimes walk around PAX, but that's not the, mass, the vast majority of people there. And you don't have to... You, the pins and the the friendly faces and the shirt cannons aren't for the those people. You understand? It's true. I no, I completely do. I I do I do firmly believe that there is a good subsection of people that are not press, that are enthusiasts, that are interested in all that stuff. And they're not the mass. Like they they're not like the people that are going to be super excited about Fortnite. Like they're not that people. But there's mm-hmm. definitely a crossover there and there's definitely going to be people that grow into being that the more you get into a thing like it's the same with anything like the more you get into films the more you get into music the more you dive into it there's a personality type which i'm definitely a part of which is like i want to know everything about this and i think that's kind of where you are a person that can capitalize on that i think and that that i would say is a brand as opposed to talking about like actual fame levels that's why mm-hmm. i feel like we were talking about different things because i realized Maybe. i was talking about broad strokes and you were like no but really in my life right now (laughs) (laughs) but you know that so i wouldn't discount you as being someone that could be that but i'm i'm also not saying you're being like down on yourself or anything i'm just uh no i I find this stuff kind of interesting in and of itself and also as someone who has put at least some chips in the gwenfrey brand i'm uh (laughs) i feel i have a sense of what it is so you know what is my brand instruct me I think you are someone who knows a hell of a lot about video games, who can talk a lot about uh, video games. The video game industry can talk a lot about how things work in terms of why X sells so much money in X place. You are an expert, I would say, on that kind of thing. You also know a lot about making video games. That would be another. Like if I was doing keywords, that would be another one. Also, you are funny and you have the ability to present your argument well so that that's oh. what i think people are looking for you're articulate shit. funny and you know your shit like oh, that's, that's... I, I think why people would go to what you're doing chris i'm blushing <laughs> these aren't like compliments Holy these shit. are like i've been so my so my new job i'm doing 
involves like figuring things like this out. Like I'm actually doing just almost community management for uh, XSplit as part of my job and figuring out what people are and what you want to give them is <laughs> is a thing. But um, yeah, no, it's it, it it's an interesting topic. I think the the growth of whatever you end up doing next, I think will be very interesting to watch. Yeah, no shit. Mm. I've, uh, I'm starting, God, I don't, I don't even know if I should get into it. Uh, I've just started like several different projects and then canceled them. And I'm, uh, starting a new thing now that I'm actually really excited about, but we'll see. I might just end up canceling this too. I'm still in that phase where I'm figuring out what happens next. Yeah. And you, you fight with yourself about what's the, the thing you kind of want to, the, the things you want to do because you want to do them versus the things that will make money versus, uh, you know, the, the giant Venn diagram in the sky of how do you both make something you want to make and also make money off of it and survive and stuff. I'm in that place still. I'll probably be in that place for at least another month or two. I probably won't be pitching until later this year or next year even. Um, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting, I think. But we should probably move on and get into the the wrapping up of things, I think. Ah, uh, yes. We have been, I'm sorry, I've been talking too much today. No, no. That's that's the entire point of this <laughs> whole enterprise. Um, what I want to do is I want to kind of wrap up with some recommendations. Things that we've watched, played, listened to, seen, or whatever during the week. Ooh, okay. So I, I got two things. Uh... First of all, if you look up on YouTube, there is a YouTube channel called The Punk Rock PhD, which is a guy who talks about punk rock being one of them, but like music scenes throughout time. A friend sent me a video of his that was The Rise and Fall of New Metal, and I watched it and I was like, God, I was right. Like, in that was right in the pocket for me. <laughs> it's like a 20 minute little mini documentary. It's really interesting if you are the same age as me. And was super into that kind of music. So check that out. The other thing would be uh, I played Star Citizen. Uh, I've bought Star Citizen after like almost a month of watching stuff to do with Star Citizen. I would recommend checking out the... Uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, developer people, we think. We'll find out. Please do tweet Gwen. But there's a lot of developer people who watch this. Check out the Digital Foundry video about the crazy tech they're using to make Star Citizen. That was really fascinating even as someone that doesn't fully understand how all this stuff works just seeing all the kind of revolutionary things they're trying to do with this game is super interesting so i'd recommend that okay so i didn't really come up with things to recommend this week i have things not to recommend if i i don't recommend following politics right now ever no don't um as far as videos hmm i don't think i have videos i've i haven't Honestly, I haven't played any games I love lately. The recently I I did for research purposes. I've been playing different like tactics games, any kind of grid-based games that are interesting. I uh Dan from my Discord recommended one I just started playing last night and I I'm only recommending it cuz it's free. I don't actually have an opinion on if I like it or not, but it's called Neon Noodles. It's like mm -hmm. this um I I was really into Opus Magnum. It, this is a game where you kind of People call it a programming game, but I don't think of it like that. You're 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 organizing events on a timeline to kind of uh, achieve a result. So in a way, it is sort of like a programming game. But it's a beautiful, 
puzzle, open-ended puzzle game. I love Opus Magnum. It's fantastic. And if you like Opus Magnum, there's this game that's supposed to be kind of similar called Neon Noodles, where you're programming a little robot, telling it what to do in order to cook something that's kind of like, uh, it's like overcooked. You pick up something from one place, you go, you move it to another. I don't love it yet. I haven't figured out why I like it. I haven't figured out if I like it or not or why yet, but that's probably, we're going to spend some time this weekend figuring out how I feel about it. Uh, hmm. It is definitely new. It's unique, I think. Which nice. is enough, like, I'm at a place right now where just if anything's kind of unique, it makes me go, huh, I kind of just instinctively like it no matter what. Nice. I've gone weirdly the opposite. I've started playing like Fortnite and Apex Legends. I've uh, <laughs> drilled down games. on the familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this is going to wrap up this episode. Next week, me and Gwen will have been at PAX East. I don't know if we're going to get to record anything while we're out there just because of time. But I want to take a look at trends on the show floor, talk about cool things we saw, what we did, what we liked, what we didn't like, etc. So that will be next week. But for now, Gwen, take us out. This has been Gwen Frey and Chris Slight, and you've been in the Dialogue Box.